Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Each week, we come together and have conversations about theology, about missions, about church history, uh, different subject matter that we believe will be strengthening and encouraging to you and your faith, and hopefully uh, encourage you to minister and to do missions and to go out into the world and to share uh, the freedom of the gospel. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, I have the privilege this week of interviewing my sister, Bethany, who is a missionary to India and uh, most recently Cambodia. And uh, we're going to be talking about her years on the mission field with her husband, Doug, and what that's been like. Uh, one of the things you noticed right off the bat is that I didn't use her last name. And uh, you'll also notice that on this episode, we won't be showing her face. In fact, on the YouTube video, uh, you'll notice right away that as soon as I'm done with this intro, that the screen will go right into the Postscript logo and, and you won't be able to see us on the video feed. Uh, and the reason is we want to protect uh, her and Doug's identity uh, because they're prayer is that, uh, God willing, they'll be able to get back into India soon, shortly, and that they won't have any problem with the government, that they'll be able to get uh, a, a visa and get in uh, to India and get right back to ministering the way that they used to. But things are difficult in the world right now, and things are very unsure. And so we want to pray for them, uh, but then also uh, show respect for them by protecting their identity. So we want to thank you in advance for doing that, uh, you, the audience. Now, as we get into this episode, I really do believe it'll be an encouragement to you and, and, and it'll be uplifting uh, because Bethany's story is so wonderful. She's a great storyteller. And so I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. And, and with that, I want to get right into it. Bethany, it's so good to have you. Thank you. It's a, a wonderful opportunity to be here this morning. And I'm just really thrilled that I can share my story of how God has just brought me through and kept me through all these years serving on the field and just how His plan has unfolded in my life. And just invite you in and yeah. uh, share with you what God has done and how He can do it in others' lives also. Well, I'm, I'm excited about it too. And you are only our second uh, female to be on the show. I don't know if you realize that or not. But yeah, you, that's what Doug told me so this that's morning. A serious, that's a serious <laughs> privilege, I, I suppose. And, and th the honest truth is that we have a lot of women uh, that are on the mission field right now uh, from all of the Living Faith Fellowship churches. Uh, they're out serving. A lot of them are single. Um, and a lot of them are going to really uh, love to hear your story today, and I know it's going to be um, good for them. And, and so I want to start just by asking a little bit about your life. Uh, the typical question is, hey, how did you come to know Jesus Christ? How did you come to get saved? But then also, what did discipleship look like in your life? Maybe you can start there. All right. Since this uh, podcast is only an hour long, I'll try to keep it like a guy's story instead of a girl's story okay, with every detail. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, my family, uh, my parents uh, were in Bible college when I was born. Mm. It was something that was in their hearts that they wanted to serve God together as a family. And so my sister, brother, and I were all born while they were in a Bible school. Oh. And so I I was raised in a Christian family, and, and I knew the Lord from a very young age, so a similar story to many young people mm -hmm. here at Midtown. Mm -hmm. And um, 
in my experience uh, with the Lord and, and as a young girl, I was quite sick and I had a, a tumor in my ear and uh, it's a very complicated story, many surgeries, a lot of wow. suffering and uh, I am completely deaf in my right ear and, and um, through that experience of suffering, mm. the Lord has just shown me that I can walk with Him and that I can trust Him in mm. the small things. And that he is faithful no matter what the situation. And I think a lot of times we pray away suffering because it's so hard. And we pray that everything will just be back to normal. But sometimes God doesn't allow that to happen. And he shows you through your weakness, through your suffering, that you can still be used by him. Yeah, absolutely. And so because of that, I do have a weaker immune system than most people. And uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later when I talk about why and how God could choose somebody so weak Mm. to serve him on the field and uh, what an opportunity it is. But when it comes to salvation, uh, my parents, they did the youth ministry. Mm. And so when I was about seven years old, I remember my parents, they showed a a video to the youth. We used to have what's called a pizza wrap. And they showed a Christian video and uh, they showed uh, like something pertinent to the time that was relevant to the the teenagers. And this one, this movie was called Without Reservation. Mm. And I don't know if any of you remember back to the 80s, those movies. Those those hardcore (laughs) Christian films from the 80s that were like, What's going to happen after the rapture? And yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, yes. They kind of shock you, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, I remember watching that as a little kid and about these teenagers who got into a car accident and they went to heaven and they didn't have a reservation in heaven and God didn't let them in. And Jeez. I, yeah. And I was just a young girl and I went home and, and I couldn't shake it out of my head. And I said, do I have a reservation in heaven? You know, if I die today, yes, I love Jesus, but can I get into heaven? Because I have sinned just like they had sinned. Mm-hmm. And so I remember uh, getting on my bed and, and just praying that prayer and just really, for the first time in my life, admitting that I was a sinner and right. that I needed salvation. Oh, praise God. So. Yes, it was. Those movies work. (laughs) Man, they did. They scared me. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that they hadn't. All I remember is the commercials on the Christian network on TV for these films. And I I never actually saw any of them, but but they sure rattled my cage as a a kid. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, uh, from that point on, I I feel like God really uh, put Ecclesiastes 3.11 in my heart Mm. and not just that he makes all things beautiful in his time, but that eternity is in my heart. Like mm-hmm. I have a divine purpose of redemption for my life and a divine purpose that I can see in other people's yeah. lives. And so really from that point on, I think I really became serious with the Lord and, and started reading my Bible. And um, I remember I, I would read uh, uh, from 
the Bible, I would read from David, uh, Psalms 51, every night. Mm. And it uh, created me a clean mm -hmm. heart, oh God. I didn't know the story behind it, but right. I knew I needed a clean heart. Yeah. And I would read that chapter over and over again. And I don't even know that I knew what it meant, but I knew I wanted God's Spirit in mm -hmm. me. And I knew I didn't want to walk life alone without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. And that I needed a clean heart to do that. So mm -hmm. it was in me from a little girl. And so when I was, uh, let's see, uh, in 10th grade, my teacher, I was in public school, mm -hmm. and she asked us to write a paper about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I took it very seriously. And so I prayed about it. And, and I said, God, what do you want me to be when I grow mm -hmm. up? Not what do I want to be? You know, right. like most little kids, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be sure. a dancer. I wanted to be a teacher, yeah, like yeah. all these things. And then I was like, but God, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And it, and the Holy Spirit just pressed upon my heart, missionary nurse. Not just missionary, but nurse. Mm. And such a unique call from such a young age. So then I just started interviewing everybody I knew who was a woman, who was a missionary and a nurse. Mm. And I only found like three. And so um, one was in Africa, one was in India, mm. and one was in South America. And so I didn't, it wasn't a, a job that I could look up in a book. Right, it wasn't in, in the counseling office no, on, no. on their list of things. No, and so I, I did my whole paper with these three interviews. And I don't know if you remember, this was before internet. <laughs> yeah, so you talked to them on the phone? or I did, okay. I called them long distance on the phone. I had to use all my, my money I got from doing my paper route, route to call them. <laughs> You did a paper route. Mm -hmm. That's like this. That's like a story my grandpa would tell. Yes, yes, I you're did a paper that, route. You're not old enough for a paper route. I know, route. I know. But I used to spend a lot of my money on that penny candy. But for this was an eternal purpose. So, mm. <laughs> so I used my money to be able to call them and and ask them about their lives and ask their stories. Mm. And it, it just touched me so deeply. Wow. And I thought, God, this call, it's too big for me. It's mm. too big. Like, how can I go to college? I don't have any money. How can I do this? I, do, I don't have the skill. You know, I don't have the health. You know, I have a weak immune system. And, and you know, having these issues and having 17 operations as a child, you know, like, I didn't have that, the, the qualifications yeah. to be a missionary. Right. And God just spoke to my heart and he said, you know, trust me, I'll lead you. Mm. And um, and I thought about different characters in the Bible, uh, about their qualifications to serve God. You know, I thought about Gideon, you mm. know, like his qualif, where was he when the angel of the Lord found him? He was hiding yeah. in a well, threshing wheat, right? He was too afraid right? Yeah. <laughs> to threat Because when you thresh wheat, you thresh it out in the open so that, you know, all the debris blows away. But he was hiding in a well. Mm -hmm. But the angel called him and said, Almighty oh, warrior. Mm -hmm. he, like the angel of the Lord said, I have a plan for your life and it's personal. Mm -hmm. And Gideon was like, oh, this is 
too big for me. I'm not a mighty warrior. But God said, no, you're mighty, and I'm going to do the work through you. Right. And uh, another one of my favorites is J.L. <laughs> I mean, maybe you remember this story from the book of Judges, Judges 4. Yeah. You know, she's just a simple woman. Mm-hmm. And then the 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 Canaanites were at war with the Israelites. They were both fighting. And this this uh, enemy was great. And Deborah and the army, they were pursuing him. But God used a simple woman who was, her only gift was hospitality. Mm-hmm. And she just invited him into her home. Maybe it was to stall him so that, you know, somebody mighty could come and finish right. the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But God said, no, I want to use you right where you're at with yeah. that little weapon you have, which is this, which is a tent stake, right? We know she destroyed the enemy. She put that tent stake right through. It's, it's <laughs> horrific. I know. But it's, uh, but I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, she, yes. she, she didn't have any of the qualifications of no. a soldier, but she performed the work of a soldier. That's right. Yeah. And she destroyed the greatest enemy of Israel mm-hmm. at the time, and the tides turned, and then they were able to conquer the Canaanites. Yeah. So I think about these simple people from the Bible, David, a shepherd's boy, mm-hmm. you know, who was just tending sheep, but God said, I'm calling you to be a king. Yeah. And, and so I feel like... That's what God did in my life. He mm-hmm. said, yes, you, you're weak and, and you're not able to do all these great things, but you have me and I want to do great things in you. Yeah. And I love that the, the plan of God is personal for our life. No, it's so good. Yes. And that, you know, we're not copying somebody else's call, but like we can definitely uh, appreciate them and respect them. But like the call of God, it's so personal. It's very unique. And unique. And Mm -hmm. God, you know, we might not have all the gifts, but the Holy Spirit gives them as we need them in ministry. Absolutely. And my favorite is I may not have all the fruit of the Spirit, but but the Spirit is in me. And Mm -hmm. so when I need patience, He's faithful to give it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I need, you know, temperance, I'm working on that one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, He He's faithful to give it. And when I need wisdom. I can seek it and I can find it through the Word of God. Mm. And so um, I went on uh, uh, as a teenager, I was discipled by Kathy White. Um, and the, the fun thing about my story is it, it lines up very similar to Doug's. Mm-hmm. I did bus ministry. Oh, okay. I, did, yes. I don't think I knew that. And so in Maine, we had our bus routes. There were um, five bus routes, and we used to bring in, oh, maybe about 350 to 500 people a week. Mm-hmm. And you were as, were you at Greater Grace at this time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I was. And so as a teenager, I committed Friday nights, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday. And so Friday nights, we would go to this area. It it was only about 45 minutes from where I grew up, but it was impoverished. Mm-hmm. And it was um, homes that were so unlike mine. You know, there were drugs, there were alcohol. You would walk into the homes and it would smell like urine and so much your eyes would water. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how can this be like... And, you know, uh, and within all of that, I saw a people, people 
who mm. needed God, yeah. that they needed to know that God loves them, that God has a purpose for their life, and that they could have fellowship with Him through salvation. Mm. And so uh, I did bus ministry, and I loved it. I was the song leader. <laughs> On the bus? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so um, I love to sing. And the fun thing is, is that uh, because of my surgeries, I'm completely tone deaf. Uh, but the beautiful thing is that I cannot uh, hear music, but I can see it. Like mm. I can see it on the scale, and I can sing the note, mm. which is which is the Holy Spirit. I I know this because uh, before all of my operations, my mom used to call me her songbird, and it was the one thing that she was most concerned about. Uh, when I started to lose my hearing was would Bethany be able to still sing mm. because I used to wake up at five in the morning and sing all over the house. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me actually. <laughs> actually I still do. <laughs> and um, so that was the beautiful thing is God let me minister in mm. that area and you know and we I was the song leader and uh, some weeks my sister would do the song leading and then I would go into the homes and I would visit and I would, you know, wait for people to put on their shoes and encourage them to come and say, you know, mm. God has something for you this week. Come to church. And, yeah. you know, um, so it was really there in bus ministry that God prepared me to learn how to love people beyond yeah. the filth. And so that I don't see those things which are before me, but I see eternity. Yeah. I see f faith. Uh, you know, not living by sight, yeah, but living by faith. Don't see people after the flesh. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. So that's powerful. And I, you know, I want to hear uh, how you know all of these things that God was doing in your life led you to the mission field, which was later on. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. you could tell us just about what you did go to nursing school. You you ended up getting the training you needed, and how did that unfold moving forward? You had this passion to see souls saved, uh, and you've had a passion for people who are unlike you. How, what were those next steps in terms of God's um, development? So before uh, before I left to go to nursing school, my parents really wanted me to get grounded in the Word of God. And the best way to do that was through Bible college. Mm. So at 17 years old, I left to go to Maryland Bible College and Seminary. And at Maryland Bible College and Seminary, they took that foundation I had learned through discipleship, D1, D2, mm -hmm. and they built upon it. And the, the unique thing about Bible college training is it really trains you to be a leader mm -hmm. and how to, to lead um, through the Holy Spirit and not through your, your personalities. Right. Yeah. And, uh, to, to know the Word of God intimately and so that we can sh lead others and share our experience to others through the Word of God. Mm -hmm. um, uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes when we're teaching others about the Word of God, we can tend to teach them about our culture, or we can tend to teach them through our personalities or right. through soul power. And those are all very dangerous things. And so 
learning how to keep the main thing the main thing, the Bible mm -hmm. in our hearts yeah. so that we're growing them through uh, truth and grace is a key. And it's something we really learned through through Bible training mm -hmm. and how to develop other leaders. And not everyone who goes through Bible training or Bible college will be a leader, but to be a missionary, you are a leader. People look up to you and mm. you just want to make sure that you're leading them in the right direction. Right. Yeah. And so uh, the other important thing that I've learned through Bible college training is the difference between just going and doing ministry. When I was in America, I would be uh, go and I would do ministry. I would work with youth. I was very involved in the church. But then as a missionary, I was sent. And now I represent the whole church. Mm -hmm. And I need to make sure that my behavior is one that represents the church. Mm. And um, So blamelessness became important yes. when you were in Bible college because you recognized that you represented something greater than yourself. Yes, yeah. yes, mm. yes. And um, I also realized that I didn't have enough as much as, as many degrees as I had in Bible college, and I have four, mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't have enough. Right. I still needed the Holy Spirit. Sure. And sometimes we develop a confidence in ourselves, like, oh, I got this, I know what sure. I'm doing, I've studied. Yeah. But then we forget, like, the Holy Spirit is the one that works in somebody's heart. Yeah. And um, I love... Uh, Thinking about 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through mm -hmm. 29, where it says, God uses the foolishness of preaching mm -hmm. to confound the wise. Like the ways of the world is not the wisdom of God. Right. And sometimes we need to humble ourselves. Yeah. Like the more we learn the Bible, the more we grow, we need to remember, like, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. Yeah. And in verse 29, he's, it's, he makes a really bold statement. Paul makes a bold statement. He says, so that no glory can come of my flesh, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, I have to remember, I can't glory in my flesh. Why? Because the glory goes to God. Yeah. And that's something that, that I learned through uh, Bible training is the more I knew, the smaller I became, because I realized it was God, it was Christ, and it's not of me, and I can't boast. It's Him. And I, I really appreciate my teachers in, in Bible school because they taught me how to live by faith. They taught me humility. Uh, I watched their lives. I can learn lots of things, and I did because mm -hmm. I wanted to know mm -hmm. everything. Right. But it, it's the lives mm -hmm. of these faithful men and women that you watch and you say, okay, that's what I need. And, and those are key things to going to Bible college. That's, that's really powerful. Um, and I pray that that's what our, our Bible Institute provides for, for young people as well. Um, so how did you end up in India, though? Okay. Because <laughs> that's, that's, people want to hear that. Because yeah, that's kind of, yeah. that's a bizarre story. It's, a, yes. you know, God was in that. Yes, yes. So um, I did go on to nursing school, and I did get my BSN, and mm -hmm. um, I was making a lot of money. I, I you know, this was about, oh, goodness quite a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, I worked three days a week and I made $80,000. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, you were successful. Yeah, at, this, at it was awesome. And I had a lot of material possessions, you know. But I thought, okay, I forgot what God's plan was you forgot with that all this money. Report. Yeah. I had spent so long in school and so long having no money that, you know, when it when I was making a lot of money, it was great. I was buying, you know, Harley David motorcycles. I was getting a <laughs> Which oh, is so funny to me. I've heard no. you talk about the fact that you are into motorcycles. I love motorcycles. And it I cannot picture it. You're so like delicate in my mm-hmm. mind, the idea of yeah. you on a motorcycle, yeah. you know. I keep trying to get Doug on the back of my bike, but he says it's not cool, so. <laughs> <laughs> to be on the back? Yeah, 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 I think he's right. I was like, honey, get on the back of my motorbike, but he won't, you know, he says, honey, yeah. So anyway, um, but sometimes that happens in our life, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like we go through a phase of training and then we feel like, okay, now I deserve something. Yeah. And we Let me do something for myself. Yes, yes, yeah. self-care. And so then, but self-care becomes lasciviousness. Mm. And God, you know, he's knocking like on that door and he says, okay, we're ready, let's go. And it was like one day I just woke up and I said, you know, I'm ready to go. Mm. And so... um I went to Europe for six weeks and I started visiting churches in Europe. I knew that I was going to be a missionary in India. And I knew it because God pressed it on my heart. Every time somebody talked about India or I looked at pictures, I would just weep. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your home, go. Wow. And um, But I said, okay, before I go, let me go and just prove this call, you know, that this is what God wants me to do. So I went to Africa for a couple months. I traveled all around the world, visiting churches, visiting pastors that were connected to, just learning how they do missions, learning how to be overseas. And, and, um, and then it came time to go to India. And God said, okay, now that you've seen all this, like it's India in your heart. And mm. so let's go. Let's get moving. Cool. And um, the funny thing is, is that in 2004, I talked to Pastor Carl about coming to India. Yeah, Pastor Carl Silva in yes, Mumbai. Yes, who just recently um, went to heaven. Yeah, great man, wonderful, kind, gentle. And I talked to him about coming to India and he said okay great but come visit first you know make sure that that it's what God has for you mm-hmm. so I, I said okay and so uh, in two it wasn't until 2007 so that's quite a few years later that I actually got to India and went for a visit which mm-hmm. was about six weeks and so uh, I went and you know, the funny thing is, is that I, I'm not a very good missionary. If you were to define a missionary, um, maybe it would not have my picture. <laughs> and so, like, okay, so it was about six weeks. So I um, I looked online, and it said that I could take two 50-pound bags and two carry-ons. So I thought 
okay, that's how much luggage I'm supposed to take, you know, four suitcases. Yeah, you're six weeks, <laughs> you know. You had to be ready. Yes. And so um, I did. I brought two 50-pound bags and two carry-ons. And when I arrived in Nepal, you know, everybody else had backpacks. Yeah, that's how. When I went to <laughs> India, all I had was an individual backpack, one backpack. So, yeah. So I come, um, I arrive in Nepal and we're at the foothills of Mount Everest, you know, it's very mountainous and the, the vehicles cannot drive up because it's it's straight up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, they brought my bags and kind of just dumped them at the bottom of the hill. And I was like, oh, boy. And then here comes this wonderful man named Doug. And so uh, and I didn't know him. I never met him when he was in Baltimore, although we were both there for four, he was there for four years of training. Mm-hmm. It's a big church, and at the time I was in nursing school. And so uh, he he uh, came and he said, "Can I take your bags?" And I was like, "Yeah." So he loaded up all my bags. Was and he strong enough for that? I don't know. It took him quite a while to come up that hill, but um, he did. He took all those bags, and at the time. I didn't realize like how unusual that was not until I got up the hill. Well, I left Doug to to you know bring the bags up the hill and I arrived at the top and the ladies all told me like Doug didn't carry our bags. Pastor Douglas didn't Yeah, he was up to something. Yeah, he, yeah, and I didn't realize how unusual it was that he would offer that. And he did. He arrived about an hour later with those bags. <laughs> and um, the funny thing is, I didn't realize his motive was so that he could talk to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that he could, you know, get to know me. I I didn't realize that. So, um, but he tried a couple more times that that weekend to get to know me and be around where I was. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. It took me a little while, took me a couple years, but God opened my heart and uh, he's the most amazing husband that I could have ever asked for. And uh, I'm so thankful. You guys are so sweet together. To watch you guys interact is so fantastic. (laughs) Yes, I'm so thankful for his life and, and just the way he really is the same person at home as he is in public. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, it's just a, a, a joy to walk with him through this journey of missions and life. And he's always been very thoughtful and um, purposeful mm-hmm. with ministry when it comes to me. Uh, he's always, I, I guess you could liken it unto Boaz when he dropped the handfuls of purpose for Ruth in the field. Mm-hmm. Like Doug has always um, made a spot for me in ministry. Sometimes I appreciated it. Sometimes I was mad about it. (laughs) But but it was always like uh, something that has been rewarding as Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, uh, women's ministry. 
I love working with ladies. And I remember as a young girl, I would look at lady speakers and say, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I can, but I would love to teach ladies the Word mm-hmm. of God. And so the Holy Spirit cultivated, dug, prepared the way, and we had a beautiful women's ministry in India. Yeah, and I want to I want to hear about that. So, hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Carly Weber, and I am a student at LFBI. LFBI has consistently been used of the Lord to meet me where I'm at in whatever season and to draw me closer to Him. Every class that I've taken so far has very distinct takeaways that I counsel from, that I look back on, that have changed my relationship with the Lord. He is using it to mold me into the woman of God who He needs me to be to get His work done. And through that, I'm learning how to discern better in the world that I live in, how to better understand the world that I live in, um, and how to how to fight with with my weapon, the Word of God, um, in this battle that's all spiritual uh, and none physical. I will look back on these classes for the rest of my life. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. So you were in India for six years, and in that time, um, because Doug made space for you to minister, you know, which is fairly uncommon in Indian culture. You know, that's yeah. that's to w- what was powerful for you as a young girl in America, seeing women teaching women. Um, that's a fairly uncommon thing in a place like India to see a woman um, have authority that way and to do something as important as teach the Bible. But you had space to do that. Can you explain what that ministry looked like and the fruit that came from that? Sure. Um, the fun thing about God and His plan is He surprises us. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a little interesting for me um, when I first started women's ministry. I didn't know what I was doing and (laughs) made a few mistakes. Uh, I remember one time I was um, teaching the ladies about not being angry, Mm -hmm. about being slow to wrath. And I had used the illustration of, you know, taking a, a frying pan and to hit Douglas with a frying pan because of anger. But the, the translator messed up the analogy. And she said that go, it, it, it didn't come the way it should have. And it came out like, Hit your husband with the frying pan. Like instruction to yes, actually yes, do that. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so a uh, Pastor Ganesh called me at home and he says, Sister Bethany, I'm getting these phone calls. Why are the the men complaining about their wives? They're hitting them with the frying pan. Oh, and no. I said, No, 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 that's not <laughs> what I said. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's the last time I use an analogy in uh, teaching. And so it is true. Things get lost in translation. Oh, for sure. Especially when you use metaphors or examples. Yes, yes, Uh, yes. In places like India, they're so literal there. They're so literal. And so really quickly, the Holy Spirit showed me 
just use Bible characters Mm -hmm. instead of using metaphors, analogies, acronyms, idioms, things that are very common in English speech, just leave it all behind. Yeah. And learn how to use a Bible character to illustrate a, a, a concept. That's good. And so real quickly, it changed the way that I taught which also became more relatable to the culture because they love stories. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit just showed me, like this is how you can teach and be more effective. And it's always fun when we're open to correction Mm -hmm. because uh, God can show us, you know, maybe something we're really good at in our personality or whatever, maybe would not be effective with the people group we're trying to reach. Maybe in Vietnam, I can use literal things and they understand it because of the culture, but in India, they cannot. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the fun thing is that it just really changed the way I thought about the Bible, the way I taught the Bible. And um, the one thing that I actually never really got used to was every time I would have a woman's conference, I would have, you know, 100 ladies, 150 ladies in there sitting, but then their husbands are behind standing up. And so we would always make the announcement, okay, this is a ladies' conference, you know, that subtle cue, like, okay, right. guys, time to go. And they would never go. <laughs> what, and why was that? Were they, they wanted to make sure that they knew what their wives were being yes. taught. Yeah, they were, yes. they were concerned. Yes, they were concerned that I might, you know. Uh, Tell them to hit them yes. with a frying pan, yes. probably. <laughs> and um, yes, and, and you know what? The fun thing is, is that the men got to understand how the women were learning the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I just took it as an opportunity, like, okay, they're not going to leave. Even we tried to start a volleyball game, a basketball game. No, they wouldn't go. And... And this happens more in villages. In, mm-hmm. in the city, they would go, but sure. in in the villages, no. So um, it just shows you the difference in the culture. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing about India is that uh, women don't have as much freedom as we do in America mm-hmm. to make our own decisions. Oftentimes, marriages are arranged, so they're not what we call a love marriage. Mm-hmm. So two people can learn to to love each other, but oftentimes there's the way of communication is is manipulation mm. or uh, anger. Um, and so there's certain skills that they don't develop because they're not relational in their marriage. They're just put together on the day of marriage right. and told to live happily ever after. Right. And so there's skills that they need to be taught how to communicate, how to have arguments. Uh, you wouldn't think you need to learn how to have an argument, but actually having a healthy argument is very important. Mm-hmm. Learning to argue about what you're arguing about and mm-hmm. not compiling the fa- the oh, yeah. all the the past in that argument. Sure. Actually, we could use this in America too. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> But um, skills um, that we can learn through Proverbs 31, how to be a, what does a virtuous woman look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I noticed that when I observed the women that I knew that you had had an impact on in India, 
because um, I was trying to pay very close attention to the cultural differences between what I was seeing in the secular setting in India versus what was going on in the church. And one of the things I noticed is that the women did have freedoms among the Christian women. There were freedoms and exceptions and more liberties given to the women that were believers and their husbands were believers yeah. than there were in other settings that I saw. Yeah. And I and I in my mind I attributed that direct directly to the discipleship that they were getting from you and other yeah. women of God. Yeah. And you know, uh there is a freedom that comes through Christ. Yeah. And that is uh, supernatural in our own spirit that you know, even if we don't have freedom on the outside, we can have it in Christ. Sure. And so very quickly I learned that one-to-one discipleship, uh, in the evenings, uh, Sindhu and I uh, would go to the homes and we would try to work with the ladies. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Ganesh and Douglas would go to the homes and work with the men. Mm -hmm. Um, So very quickly I learned that one-to-one discipleship meant five people, 10 people, 25 people, the yeah, whole neighborhood. Like a woman and all of her girlfriends <laughs> yes. would show up. And I was like, how am I going to, to teach anything, you know, personal? And then, you know, God just showed me like, okay, this is how I can invest in women on a smaller scale, was just be in their kitchens be in their kitchens when they're cooking food Mm -hmm. because then they're kind of away from the sight of the neighbors and so all the neighbors aren't coming in and um because oftentimes discipleship would turn into evangelism because you have all these extra people coming in and they don't know the gospel and so when you start to talk about it then you get questions and so it's it's like you couldn't focus, mm-hmm. and so uh, being in the kitchens, cooking food. Yeah, although it's a very were, a personal environment for a woman in India. Yes, uh, yes. Men don't really bother the the women in the kitchen. No, no, they let no. them take care of that. <laughs> yes, and uh, in fact, one time Doug uh, spoke a message, and this was very early in our church plant, and he was talking about what it means for Christ to love the church and a husband to love a wife. And he said, you know, we can show that we love our wives by, you know, washing dishes. Mm -hmm. And the guys just flipped out. Really, seriously. It caused a church split and we lost half our church. Oh my. Because he said, show love, do some action to show love, Do, do dishes. And the guys were like, absolutely not. Right. No, that is the woman. The woman cooks, cleans, washes clothes. We do nothing. Mm. And so, you know, it was such a shocking thing because here in a church in America, you could say, you know, sure. husband, you know, you say it on expre- Mother's Day. A good Day. expression of love is to serve your wife physically. <laughs> but Yeah. Have a partnership. But no, 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 no. And so... um yeah, it caused a church split, and we lost half our church. Goodness gracious. And we lost one of our leaders in the church. And so the fun thing is, is that if you can't love in the home, how are you going to love your neighbor as Christ? Yeah. So we were content, and we said, okay, this was God's way of weeding down mm. uh, the the church to serious disciples. Yeah. You wouldn't think washing dishes would separate the no. flock to serious discipleship. I've never heard any story like anything like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it did. And, and um, so God just showed us, okay, these, these are the ones that have love and that are going to serve others and follow me with their whole hearts. And so it, it's always fun um, how God surprises you along the way with, you, you know, you scratch your head sometimes and say, really? I don't know how I can teach this in Bible school. <laughs> <laughs> but um but it it's interesting because what satan means for evil god can turn it around to for good mm. and so um god god used that situation and i love that because you say oh we lost our song leader we lost one of our leaders we lost half our church because of one statement. But what did we gain? We gained faithful disciples. Mm. And those faithful disciples made faithful disciples. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's a, that's a powerful story and, and shocking, but, but powerful. And even a reminder for us here that, you know, sometimes there's a pruning that takes place yes. that actually allows for, um, greater growth in the future. Um, so you guys were in India for quite some time. Obviously, that's your heartbeat. You, you spent some time helping doing church planting in Cambodia. You felt like the Lord was leading you for a season to help with the church plant. That church is actually established and yes. is doing well. Yes. And you sense that the Lord is calling you back to India. Can you explain that a little bit? Tell us why you feel that it's so important for you and Doug to get back to India. Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful to see how God leads us in our life. And sometimes we think we have the map and we know what direction we're going to go. And the Lord shows us, hey, I, I need to take you over here for a minute because there's something I need to do over here. And then, you know, uh, that detour, we say, well, God, is this your plan? You know, uh, how can this be? And but God says, there's something there, and I need you to go. Will you go? Will you be faithful? Will you follow me? And I feel like that's our, uh, that was our experience in Vietnam and Cambodia. Uh, during that time, I had the, the beautiful privilege of discipling a Muslim convert mm. and really just teaching her about Christ and her life with God and, and really the deep things of the Bible. And I'm really thankful that I had that opportunity because I know God is going to use her. And um, wow. he really has a great plan. And, and if I hadn't been there to teach her, uh, now she's going through persecution with her family, uh, of course, being a Muslim, uh, all of the um, persecution that comes when you decide to follow Christ that's happened in her life. Mm. And so, but she's faithful. She's faithful to the call. And yeah, um, we ought to pray for her. Yeah. For those who are listening to maybe yes. just pray for her even right now. Yes. And, uh, and also in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, God gave us like am amazing uh, fruit that we we just look at their lives and we think like okay god wanted to meet them and mm -hmm. he used us to meet them and 
And we are very excited. Maybe we cannot go, but we know that God will raise up a team to go and, and to be in Southeast Asia to, to work with these precious believers and to continue to teach them the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I know in Cambodia, God used me to be able to set up uh, the church and to to take care of like the practical side of church building mm-hmm. because you definitely have a spiritual side of church building but then there's the practical side setting up the building the finances the you know decorating right. all those those things that are involved with with the church um, so God used my skills to be able to to go ahead and and uh, set that up so that they could be successful and continue there with what they needed and god has raised up leadership there and and that's the fun thing about missions is sometimes it happens a little faster than you anticipate Mm. and so you know we had we've been in southeast asia for four years not really knowing you know what God's plan was, what was the next step. But you see, God raised up a leader from, and we love that this church is a granddaughter church. Mm-hmm. That make, sets our heart on fire because it's just one thing to see a planted church plant a church. And, and that's what is so exciting about Cambodia is, uh, Believers from Thailand who went to Bible college there came down into Cambodia, and now they're leading there. And so Doug and I definitely had a place there for three years, just teaching the Bible. Uh, I worked with the ladies every week, and it was it was a wonderful opportunity to really watch them grow and enter into leadership. But our purpose is so that we can raise national leaders. And it's also knowing when to let them take over. Mm. And just as we left Ganesh and Sindhu in India so that they could take over the leadership, it's time to step out of Cambodia. And by, by sight, you look and say, it's too, too soon. But then you say, yes, but if we're there, we're going to teach, we're going to preach, and they have no place. So, so we kind of have yeah. to come out. Give them so, own ownership. So that, yeah, yeah, they have ownership. And we're still, you know, in contact. We're still, you know, sure. involved. And we're there more as mentors now. And um, and now we're looking back at India, and we're seeing, like, the the – what this pandemic has caused in the churches, uh, really a re- full restriction of freedom, even more than America. Mm. And in the places like the slums, you know, they don't have internet. They don't have smartphones. They don't have computers. They can't uh, jump on and watch a church service, nor do we have capacity except for Ganesh just doing FaceTime and, <laughs> and <laughs> preaching. But but uh, we, we don't have that kind of technology there. Some meeting platforms are restricted. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're hurting. Mm. They're hurting. Yeah. The churches are hurting. And Ganesh, are hurting. you know, in, in the city, there are many dozens of churches. Mm-hmm. 
that are already a little bit separated, a little bit fractured just mm-hmm. by their size, their scale, because they meet in homes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I can imagine that there is kind of a, a scurrying Mm-hmm. that's taking place yeah. and people are, are that were once apart are now kind of hiding and mm-hmm. that might be easy to do because it's not so centralized. The work isn't so centralized. Yeah. Uh, the accountability is different and many hands make the work light and I'm sure Ganesh probably is in need of, of mature support. Yeah. And um, we just really feel in our hearts that our job is to come in as encouragers, maybe not as full leadership as we have in the past, but just coming in and seeing where the needs are Mm -hmm. and then working either behind the scenes or, you know, what is their need and just kind of seeing how God can use us to fill that. Mm. So, you know, maybe in closing, there's a, a million questions I, th- I feel like I could ask you. Maybe we'll, we'll do another episode sometime, Bethany. But mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of, of the work and getting back to India, what is what is the prayer request that you would that you would plead for? Um, because you're in kind of a holding pattern, which mm-hmm. missionaries find themselves in this position all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with the way the world is. And um, so you're in one of those holding patterns. You're in a season that you're separated from the work. And what, what's the prayer request that you have for us um, as Living Faith Fellowship, LFBI, listeners of the podcast, um, as it concerns India and getting back? I think that there are a lot of prayer requests I can present. But the most important would be souls. That God would save souls. I hear a lot of talk. Lord, let the rapture come. Let it come now. Let it come today. And Christians say that. But in saying that, you're saying, let the wrath of God come. And there's so many that don't know Jesus yet. And we want to go to these unreached places so that they can be saved. And so my prayer request is souls. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for um, for that. That's I think we all I think we all need to hear that. Um, regardless of where we're going and uh, what path God has us on. We can't ever forget that uh, this is not about us. Um, this is not about us getting our way. Um, this is about God building a kingdom and uh, he builds his kingdom with souls. And so, you know, sharing that heart with him is very critical. You know, we didn't even really get much of a chance to talk about, um, you know, how uh, ways, practical ways in which women can um, see themselves on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to save that for another episode, I think, because yes. we, we've got so much good content already. But one but I, exciting thing yeah. is that on September 11th, we're going to be doing a woman's seminar here at Midtown. Uh, from, I think, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m., and it's going to be Women's in Mission. Mm. And so uh, every woman has a mission, 
And so uh, I'll be one of the speakers that day. And so maybe I'll get a chance to tell more of the stories of faith and how God has really just used me on the field and how uh, God has a purpose and a mission for every single woman mm-hmm. in this church and yeah. every woman listening to this podcast. So that's a great plug. I'm glad that you said that because it wasn't even on my mind, but I think it's fantastic. There's a This is going to be kind of a weekend seminar for women uh, who are considering the mission field, and, and we've got several female missionaries they're going to be participating in that. And so even if you can't be present for that event on September 11th, we want to invite you to to get the audio, mm-hmm. access the audio, which mm-hmm. will be recorded and and catch up on uh, on what God's doing in Bethany's life and as well as other uh, female missionaries. Mm-hmm. But I want to say, Bethany, thank you so much for being with me. Um, I love you so much. You're so kind. You're so generous. Um, Any time I get to spend with you is is always good. And so I just want you to know I love you and I'm, I'm thankful for this time. Thank you. Thank you. It was a privilege to be here. And we want to thank you for hanging out with us and, and listening to today's episode. And we pray that the conversation was glorifying to God, but also uplifting for you. And, and if you are a woman or you're a man and uh, you know that God has a call on your life and you know that leadership is a part of your story, uh, whether that's leadership in your local church, uh, through a Sunday school classroom or bus ministry or whatever it might be, or it is uh, the, the foreign mission field. You know that God's calling you to go somewhere else in the world, whatever it is, it's so important that we get trained, just as Bethany was saying, that we go and we learn things and, and we, we find the people that can model for us what it looks like uh, to, to be the leaders that God has made us to be. And so LFBI.org is what we want to invite you to check out. You can see our program of study, what our vision is, uh, what our, our statement of faith is. You can learn more about our school there. But we would love to see you in one of these upcoming semesters and And if you ever have questions, uh, we want to invite you to reach out and ask those. Uh, But we love you and we pray that today was a blessing for you. And we invite you to come back and join us next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless.